So your brother is in my bad books at the moment. Sounds good. It's Ashley's birthday, dinner at the weekend, and I bring up our Lord titles. One of her friends is like, how, how, how is this a thing? And I was like, I, I own, I bought land in Scotland. So I, I bought land in Scotland. So for you. That's, let's not put who in who. Um, I'm pretty sure Doos asked if uh, I bought it for you, and I said yes, naturally. Anyway, and so she's like, you bought land in Scotland? It sounds way sweeter than what it is. Square foot? Doesn't matter, I didn't need to say the size. I was like, yes, yes, I don't want to make a big deal of it, but yes, I bought some land in Scotland. I don't like showing off. And you now may refer to me as Lord or Sire. We own that much of Scotland each. 10 square feet. It's 10? It's 10 square feet, yeah. It's like the size of this goddamn table. And uh, build on it. And it was your brother who was like, he owns 10 square feet, just trying to blow your water. Completely blow, completely blow me out of the water, yeah. Worst. Good afternoon. I feel naked without the. Uh, what happened here? Look at that. Crack on the old screen. Hey? Wow. Anyway, welcome back to Sharp Stories, everybody. Uh, we've got to, uh, I think, have a bit of a further chat about some of the interesting changes coming in January 2023 in uh, Canadian and Vancouver real estate. Yeah, so I think next week's meet, are we doing a video next week? 21st? Um, oh, my parents are in town. You should have them in the video. Um, I think next week's probably the last video. Mm -hmm. Maybe of the year. Should we do one on the 28th? We'll talk about that. We'll um, get back to you on that one. Anyway, so yes, there's big changes as we lightly touched on last week. I believe I yelled at the top of my lungs. And it's not racist! But um, not surprising. We, uh, we'll just go into a little bit more detail on these. Now you said there were three changes. I am aware of two. So I'm gonna need you to remind me of the third. The first, I'm gonna give you a second here. The first being um, the foreign buyers, the non-racist foreign buyers ban, Justin Trudeau banning anyone without one of our beautiful little blue passports, which apparently they even gave you now, uh, for I'm buying a, I'm real Canadian. estate. Eh? You're from Canada, eh? From buying real estate in our... Motherland. Beautiful country. Uh, the second is the um, rescission period, buyer rescission period, which we'll go into. So this all came about, the government yet again acting too late, uh, to slow down, not slow down, to give let's, buyers. Let's we'll, get we'll into it. We'll, okay. we'll get, we'll get it. What's the third thing? Get into it. Uh, do you McKinnis family just live to blow me out of the water? So you don't even know. I can't so remember. there's a third which apparently Ben was responsible for and has dropped the ball. But someone dropped the ball. Ball droppings can be beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, which one do you want to talk about? You talk about the... the I'll talk about the rescission period. Okay. So, I mean, the rescission period-wise, so a lot of people are asking why the rescission period came into effect. So originally, what was supposed to happen was, as we all know, the market was crazy. Everything was going in multiple offers, over asking price no subjects and so it was you know a pretty risky game for a very long time during the the craze that was the 18 months or whatever that the, the, the market started getting crazy yeah it is pretty don't, risky if it's too Huge, risky, you just don't buy 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's not like food. It's not like nothing no like Jay McInnes putting his <laughs> dose of pessimism on it. It's not pessimism. Okay? Real, reality. No one right. needs to buy. You're not my dad. You can't say the same line. Anyway, so it was more particularly risky. Of course, you've got people paying a million dollars plus for something that they don't have any sort of backup and um, unsureness in and lo and behold, whatnot. Of course, under a million. Come on. that breeds a lot of resentment from people and a lot of fear and the unfortunate reality is, is some people would have got caught on the wrong end of that so in order to act what the government decided to do was implement this rescission period so the rescission period is a three-day uh, portion after your offer has been accepted if it's subject free not including holidays not including weekends uh, so basically three working days where you get to carry out any subjects i.e check your financing in particular and also more so it's more directed to doing an inspection on the property okay this sounds well and great but this is coming in in january 2023 and as we all know we've been talking about for months it's the slowest market of all time right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to be doing subject free um you're not you're going to be giving yourself subjects and you're going to be giving yourselves typically seven days, uh, including weekends, to do those subjects, not the three days. So this has kind of come in. Another side note, I've got a, an accepted offer right now with a 10. Just want to sprinkle that in there? Just so you all know. Ten, fifth, fifth of the year. Ten, <laughs> 10 business day subject. Well. Oh yeah, so there's endless amounts of time out there. For your so as... To Jay's perfect point, there's an endless amount of time on there. You've got, on average, a good seven calendar days in order to get your financing, get your inspection done, and you're not gonna be rushing in the three days. And so the rescission period is kind of gonna be a moot point. Which brings us to, okay, well, what even is the point? And some people are saying when the market gets busy again, it's gonna protect you. Well, when the market was busy, if you reached out to an inspector and said, hey, I need you here in the next three days, they would laugh you all the way to the bank because they were so booked up and so busy they were booking out seven ten days in advance the same conversation is going to happen if you're trying to sort your financing and you send it through to a bank and they were saying we're overwhelmed right now we're not even sure we can get to this in seven to ten days let alone three days so it's going to be a bit of a moot point and it's i stand by this and when we first spoke about this i knew this was going to happen if you can go in subject free and still have time to do subjects even though you're subject free, all that will happen is you will up the bidding price. It's just going to increase offers, it's going to make it harder to get in because it's not going to come down to strategy and getting everything in set as early as possible so you can maybe snipe someone because you are better planned. Snipe? Yeah, good word. Snipe what? Um, all it's going to come down to is, okay, the highest price is going to win subject free. And then that they may not have the financing. They may not have, uh, <coughs> excuse me. They may not have ever the like backstory in place in order to go through with this, but they're just going to offer the highest price and then they'll go through the subjects and they'll hope that they can then remove subjects. If not, then that leaves you in a difficult period and then it's gonna go down to the next person. But because there is no incentive, if you will, for getting your ducks in a row beforehand, it's just gonna increase the offer prices and that's it. So it's actually gonna have the opposite effect. I'm gonna call it and I'm gonna call it 
so much so that they will scrap it at some point when it starts getting well, this busy. This is all hypothetical because it's not even needed anymore. And that's the thing, it's not needed now, but I'm saying they'll scrap it when the market starts changing and starts getting big. So in short, it was put in to counteract the extremely busy market, but it was brought in arguably more, but six months too late. Um, so it's not really gonna make a difference. The incentive to get their ducks in a row in order was because if, look, hypothetically, uh, we have a subject free offer, we have this three days, if we kill the deal in those three days, um, now we have to, we are reprimanded with There's 250, basically $250 per 100,000 of the offer price the buyer owes the seller. Now, how do they get their money? In all the write-ups I've seen, they're stating from the deposit held at the brokerage, the money will be moved over to the uh, seller's account. As we all know, uh, at least in BC, we do not put deposits down prior to getting accepted offers because that is not necessary and is a whole bunch more legwork. So, but, but though, this is for subject free offers. So if you're presenting a subject free offer, then you should be presenting your down payment, assuming that it's extremely busy at the time when this is actually gonna come into effect. You should be presenting the copy of your down payment. Which is in the deposit which with is not, the offer. Yes, but it's not in trust yet. It, yeah, it won't go it's into in trust It's in the form of a, a bank draft, as you just said. So, there's no, so it's saying pull the money out of trust and send it over, but there's no money in trust. So then this, the caveat to that is get the uh, lawyers involved to then go and somehow scrape that money, 250 bucks for every 100,000 uh, of the purchase price from the now defunct uh, buyer because that's what you're owed. So that's the uh, reason to get your ducks in a row. How that all plays out, you're paying a lawyer, I don't know, 500 bucks an hour to get a couple grand out of the box. Like, it's just kind of, Stupid. It's one, anyway. of, it's one of those... Afterthoughts. It's, it's one an of, afterthought. The whole goddamn thing. Well, it's one of those things that sounds good and it says like a good message, like we're going to be protecting you, but it's not going to make any difference. And if anything, it's going to add more complications and actually make things worse, worse further on down the road. Just like rent control. But uh, we'll, obsessed with rent we'll control. move on to it. Oh, it makes me angry. Why don't you talk us through the not racist foreign buyers ban? So the foreign buyers ban is not racist. This loophole is one that our beloved Mr. Trudeau has chosen to uh, go with. So basically what it means, January 1st, if you are a foreign buyer, um, which there are probably one in the last year anyway, um, but if you are a foreign buyer, uh, you now have zero flexibility to purchase real estate in the beautiful country of Canada. It's Canada. So, who does this? Now we hear about loopholes and all this sort of stuff. There actually aren't that many official lines in the sand yet, as I've found for these uh, said loopholes to this. So, basically exemptions. There's an exemption list here um, with four points. 
the first point of exemption, a temporary resident is exempt. What defines a temporary resident? Well, that's a whole big detail within the meaning of uh, temporary resident within the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act, uh, who satisfies prescribed conditions. I think it includes a student as well. Yes, subjective. B, a protected person within the meaning of subsection 95.2 of the act. Basically what that is, is a refugee. Okay. A refugee can come over and still buy real estate. Am I ignorant thinking a refugee is someone that's kind of most of the time not in an economic position to purchase real estate? Is that me being ignorant or is that a thing? It's, and Are there rich refugees? Is the question. I mean, I'm sure there are. But would they be a refugee if they had money and they could do all these things on their own? I don't know. Well, if you're, if you're like a refugee from a war-torn country and you've got money, but you need to leave because it's a war-torn country and you've got the money to purchase, I would imagine so. But the question is, is there's the ban, but there's also the 20%, right? So these people can buy, but then they'll also be charged 20%. No, because they're exempt. No, but this is exempt from the purchase, right? But they would but, still be subject to the 20%? No, because the people that are subject to the 20% are foreign buyers and the loopholes to the 20% are permanent residents and... Citizens. Uh, and what? And permanent residents and citizens. But yeah. that would technically make things worse because if you're a student right now and you purchase, you're paying, and you're not a Canadian citizen or permanent resident, you're paying 20%. So yes. if you're a student now and you're exempt, you're actually opening up the door because that's a, a very used route down in which a lot of foreign buyers did is they purchased under the names of students. It's common for those overseas, especially in, in China, for their kids to go to UBC or something over here and then their parents would purchase something under their name. That's why sometimes you'll see student under the title and unfortunately it is a reality that a lot of the money laundering took place under that precedence as well. So if you're now allowed without the 20% on a student, you're actually opening the doors up to more people. Yes. Oh, Benjamin Mark Robinson blowing Jay Gordon McInnes out of the water. Revenge is sweet. Absolutely not in contrast to anything I said, so you're not blowing anything out of the water. An individual who is a non-Canadian and who purchased uh, residential property in Canada with their spouse or common-law partner if the spouse or common-law partner is a citizen. Mm -hmm. So, your wife is a fellow Canadian. You are, are not. Canadian. You purchase on title with your Canadian wife. You're exempt. Uh, people registered as an Indian under the Indian Act, uh, permanent resident, or person referred to in paragraph A or B. Uh, a or B paragraphs are the first two points I made. So those are exemptions. And the final exemption, as noted on their official document, is a person of a prescribed class of person. Who the knows what that means? What the hell does that mean? That's, that's the most like yeah. open-ended thing. In short though, this is another one of those completely pointless things that sounds good and sounds like a, a positive narrative. Because the damage done from foreign investment has already been the damage done. The damage was done with 
the market that took place before the foreign buyers ban, or tax. sorry, the foreign buyers tax came in, the first tax. Yeah. The second tax was the key to the lock being thrown away. It was 15%, then it moved to 20%. I think it was five, 15. then added 15. No, it was 15, 15 then, then added five. Okay, same thing. Uh, once it was 20, in my opinion, if I believed the government was spending their money properly, 20% uh, on top of property transfer tax um, and everything else that the purchase of real estate is doing for the economy, as we know, the percentage uh, that this industry gives to the GDP of the country. I read something yesterday that it's over 50%. It's high as... I always it's thought. I always thought. I thought it was in the twenties. That's what I thought. I've looked before, but I read something yesterday that it's in the fifty. But if they're including transactions, building, material, all the auxiliary business. And that's what I thought was it. in the twenty percent. But yeah, well, anyway. And it's it's up there. Um, uh, having a twenty percent tax on top of everything else, in my opinion, if they're still going to buy, which they weren't is a pretty good gateway to say, okay, well, if you're willing to pay this to get in, mm -hmm. we're good with it. I think the, the banning of it with said exemptions was again, another virtue signal to a very small, actually maybe not that small group of people that thought that was still the problem, which it definitely was not. Well, and so. there's been, so there's been a lot of talks about this and we've called this out before, where the actual problem is supply. Um, but just like a magician, you've got to wave this kind of wand over here to make it look like you're doing something while you're distracting from what's going on from your left hand. Have a magic wand. There you are, kid. This is a, a perfect example of this. Oh, foreign buyers. It came out there was a problem, but to Jay's point, it was a problem a while ago, and that's when the damage was really done. It's, it's like burning your tongue on coffee and then putting ice in the coffee afterwards. The damage is already done. You can cool it, but the damage is done. So what a fantastic analogy again. Nice analogy. And so it's one of those things that we can say, look, we're doing something to help. But when you actually look at the numbers like we have done and we've broken down before, it's actually a very small amount um, that are contributing from who are paying the foreign buyers tax. And it was a very small amount who were actually foreign buyers in the perspective of things, but it got such a negative connotation because with foreign buyers, what's the next word that comes out of your mouth? Money laundering. Mm -hmm. So that emphasizes the hell out of the phrase foreign buyers as a huge negative. And then, and then, and then, um, all these things get dogpiled on the governments make other calls like this. It's still a problem. I'm going to do something about it. And it really blows the entire thing out of the water, which again is pulling away from what the actual problem is, which is again, a government created problem. So, so it's a supply problem. It's a supply problem. The cheap money problem uh, was the only thing that trumped, as we all know, is my opinion, the supply problem. But the underlying issue that we've seen is red tape around the allowability of supply to come to market. And that's been the biggest issue. There we go, a supply problem. In a roundabout way, yes, but you're not just blanket so right, which is what you're gonna claim. There's other layers to this. There's other layers that contribute to it, but it is a supply problem. It's a supply problem. Basic economic studies, so. So those are the two key changes. We and had I three, but Ben forgot the third. Cheers to that. Chin chin. 
So next year is not going to be different at all. Um, because <laughs> ah, so the two changes coming in next year. <laughs> the the foreign buyers thing is irrelevant, and the uh, three day everyone is going to have subjects on their offer because they can, and they're all going to exceed three days. So again, it's irrelevant. And just for some more clarity on that, um, your three day period will start when your normal. Uh, subject removal period starts. So let's say you get an accepted offer on a Monday. Your seven days starts then. Um, the first three days uh, are running um, as their weekdays, non-holidays, and then you've got four days after that. If you, for some reason, cancel and say I'm not removing in the first three days, which now you obviously wouldn't, you will be uh, applicable to that $250 every $100,000 of the purchase price. If you simply wait to the fourth day to say I did an inspection and the house is falling down and I don't want it, you're not paying anything. So again, it's irrelevant. Do we have anything else to add? That's it. That's it? I think that pretty much sums it up, yeah. I'd like you all to take part with me in finding out what the government means by a person of a prescribed class of person. And you can do some research on this topic for once and you can fill in the comments what exactly that means. I'm assuming an income class as always as we're using classist warfare here which is very well known in your native homeland of... I got a Oh, London, huh? Yes. Yeah, London, England, huh? Yes. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. It's happened once before. Maybe I'm wrong. A person of a prescribed class of person. Uh, I don't know what that means. You're going to find out. See you next week. See you next week, guys. We are back! We are back. Just in the nick of time, I remembered the third one. This is the... Again, a point that's a little bit too late. But... Before, when it was multiple offers, it would have been common that you would have gone to see a property and the realtor would have said to you, okay, it's now Monday the 7th. They're not looking at offers until the following Monday the 14th. Saw someone actually this week listing that in their listing. Can you believe the audacity? Oh God, just the- Disgraceful. Oh, just the arrogance level. But, and what would happen before is sometimes something called a bully offer would come Ooh. through. That's it, just like that. And it would be quite literally that, it would in hopefully be a very good offer and it would be quick and it would be, can you just accept this now? And sometimes it would happen. So that's why you would arrange to go see something over the weekend or in a few days time. And then all of a sudden, oh no, sorry, it's sold even though they're taking multiple offers. Of course, that annoys people. Um, I understand that like people are playing by the rules and you've got somebody breaking the rules and winning. So now, they changed it so you can still do the multiple offers on a particular date, but now as a seller, you will have to sign a document saying you are not going to look at offers until that day. As currently, our real estate laws require us, as soon as we get an offer, we have to send it through to you as soon as possible. And you can obviously then make the decision for yourself. Oh, that's right, they have to hold them, they can't even show the seller, right? So now as realtors, yeah, we're not allowed to send them to you until that time, and you sign a document to agree that, to say that we're not in breach of our uh, rules and whatnot, and then you'll look at them at the time, so you cannot do those bully offers anymore. As to what that looks like if someone were to still do that, again, don't know, um, we're gonna have to wait and see, but because of how quiet the market is. It's not something that you're seeing unless you're that one person that, that Jay mentioned, so. 
once again, no difference. Yeah, so what used to happen, just a little bit more insight on that, is that if you, you wrote down, looking at offers on Monday the 5th, uh, if you got an offer on the 3rd, you were legally obligated to tell everyone that has physically seen the property or inquired on the property uh, to date, we have an offer and we're going to entertain it. If you want to do something, you, you have to do it now. If you did not follow up with all those people, then you get in trouble. Now, as Ben said, you've got no option because the seller isn't even allowed to see said offer until the said date. So just one more step. Again, too late, too little, too little, too late, but one more step to gain as much fairness, fair play as possible when inevitably the market goes crazy again. Um, we'll protect those buyers' rights. Once again, an extremely long they needed to know those details Disclosure. for perspective. You put Bye. no perspective on these things. You come out of left field Jay. after the camera's off and remember Gordon. your one point you were supposed to remember. McKinnis. And now I get it because I'm giving There you have it, texture. everyone. The three changes coming to Vancouver real estate and Canadian real estate as a whole for the foreign buyers, Ben. That again, will do nothing. See you later.